more on Toyota's remote start subscription, Apple's CarPlay, and the Log4 Shell exploit. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Truebill. Get control of your subscriptions at truebill.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is part two in a three-part Mac Voices Live discussion. In the first part, we started out with something that I thought would be something of a throwaway topic, and that is Toyota's decision to go subscription on remote start for their vehicles. But it turned into a whole lot more than that. So we continue that discussion. We touch on Apple's CarPlay and how it fits into this, and then start an in-depth discussion on the log for shell uh, exploit that has been terrorizing the internet. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. I want to get the chat room in here. Um, Webb brought up a couple good good points. Um, one, he said, BMW Apple has the digital key system also, free for the first year, then $88 after that. And yes, Webb, I guess my, but I'm, I sound like defending somebody here, but that's an app-based thing. And that has to be maintained and upgraded as situations change. It's not just a push the button and something over there happens. So I feel that's like a little bit different, but maybe that's just me. But he also said, that, does this, in the end, make the case for, for CarPlay? Granted, it won't remote start my car, but it does do the NAV and the audio as well, to some of Jim's points. Well, so, I, I think that's why car players fought CarPlay. I mean, car, car manufacturers fought CarPlay for a long time because they wanted to own that spot. And they wanted to sell you a $2,000 NAV and a $1,500 audio and, and all that. and they they didn't want CarPlay and Android Auto. It took a you know look how long it took for that to to happen. Sure. And, uh, you know, and Toyota was one of the ones that was really dragging their feet. And I, I should mention by the way that Toyota is not the only company that has this problem of three G not being you know just going away. It, it's actually like close to half of the car companies out there um, are just it's older cars. Yeah. yeah, but well, well actually, it's not that old because the three G didn't even start until the first ones were like two thirteen, two fourteen. So it's basically twenty thirteen to twenty twenty one cars that have this problem, and and mostly like twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. So we're not talking about like fifteen year old cars. We're talking about cars that are three to seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. Which would effectively have a lot more life in them, which is part of the, you know, now I'm saddled with this thing that I can't, you know, like you've effectively taken a feature away from me because you gave it to me for three years, not one, you know. Why well, um, good. Yeah. And like to Web's point, to Web's point about, uh, hi, Web, by the way, um, about BMW and Apple, like, you know that ahead of time. Like, we know that now. This isn't somebody who already... You know, we're not hearing this from people who bought a BMW two and a half years ago who just got you have six months left of remote start. You know, it'd be a shame if something happened to it. Mail from BMW, you know. <laughs> so um, Mark and Mark Fucci, our own Mark Fuccio in our in our private chat room asks, um, where is how many of you use your vehicle's GPS instead of that on iOS? I do. So I frankly, I, I don't know if my car that's terrible but i don't know if i have a built-in gps i have to i don't my car, my ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> Brittany and i ha ha 
car doesn't have a GPS. Yeah. My car barely <laughs> has Bluetooth. I just complained about it. Yeah. Mine doesn't. Yeah. If <laughs> I try to get my does have Bluetooth, but it does have a map, but I haven't Bluetooth. used it for several yeah. years. Guy, what what were you I, saying? Yeah, I, I've got a 2016 Kia Soul Plus, and it had the nav system built into it. Uh, and it, I bought it used and I have tried it and it does work. Uh, but both CarPlay, Google Maps, and uh, Waze work so much better that uh, beyond that, oh, look at that. It does do that. I never use it. I just go ahead and use uh, use either Apple Maps or Waze. I, yeah. I, have, to, I have to use mine. Uh, um, for the Tesla, if you don't use the map to go where you're going, that's how navigation, the uh, autopilot knows where it's going. So Right. Well, that's, that's well, a different... Plus, Tesla doesn't support CarPlay or Android Auto. It can't. I mean, sure, it could. Uh, Ford it does. It could. No, no, yeah, there's too that's much. A, that's a business decision that no, Tesla has made. That would take years uh, and years because they got. I mean, the Tesla system is basically literally operating the entire car. I mean, anytime, anytime you've got something that that you have a car that's self-driving, mm-hmm. you have to use the built-in navigation system that comes with that car. Or self-drive isn't going to work. Yeah, that's got to be right. So that's right. why they can't put in. I mean, you could you could put it. Some people have like mock-ups where you could have like a little window on the screen. That's it. Yeah. But it's, it's, and, it's and, there's too much. That's how a lot of those cars work anyway. But the the problem is if you have if you have a self-driving car and and you don't understand that the self-driving car needs the built-in navigation system to work. And you just say, oh, I'm just going to use uh, Waze. And you plug in Waze. And then you take your hand mm-hmm. off the steering wheel and go, okay, you know, take me there. The next thing you go into a river. So, yeah. Waze so, so didn't, didn't Apple just come up with like a whole roadmap or thing that um, is working with every manufacturer to tie into their systems? Heating? Is that what I, I, I I'm going to strongly uh, disagree with that because, you know, I, I mean, sure, you can't take the navigation system, you know, Tesla navigation system out and replace it but most cars don't do that anyway so yeah the self-driving is gonna you know know about from you know what it's doing you know from its system but what else are you getting with carplay what then why Why? podcasts um if you're using carplay to tell to 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 music that you want to go you could use I mean, what happens apple music on it uh, actually you can use it natively i think i use my iphone okay okay guy Okay, you you have a car with a self-driving capability and you want to go to grandma's house. So you go into CarPlay, you go into Waze and you say, okay, take me to grandma's house. Well, the car isn't necessarily going to talk to Waze and it's not necessarily going to talk to Apple Maps. And it's not necessarily going to talk to any third party navigation. Liability system. that there's no way a car manufacturer is going to do that and say, well, this person got in an accident because they put in Waze and Waze told them to go backwards on a one-way street. Yeah. It's not going to so, happen. Warren is exactly right. It's a liability issue for Tesla and for any other company. To rely on a third-party service to, to drive yeah. your car. But that's, that that's what is, I'm saying. That's that is not what... Um, that's you know that's not what CarPlay and Android Auto do. They are simply interacting with you. So yes, you would not be able to use ways to put a you know location and tell Tesla to drive through it through another map app. 
but that doesn't mean that you can't display a map. Now, on a Tesla, why would you? The Tesla's got great maps. I, you know, I don't think I would ever want to, you know, use some other service, but I might want to use music. I might want to use podcasts. You know, I, I listen to let podcasts me, me on Overcast, and and there's definitely, you know, I, I you know, for example, Volvo has CarPlay, and they have their own maps, and it comes up in a window. You know, in fact, they've got a fairly, you know, it's not as big as Tesla's screen. But it's it's bigger than the CarPlay screen, so the CarPlay display shows up in the top half, and then the you know Volvo logic remains in the bottom part of the screen, and is still visible. For example, for controlling the air conditioning, and um, or you could even have it's gonna, it's you could even it just duplicates what the, the Tesla's doing now. I mean, yeah, it duplicates it. So I but, mean, the Tesla does the exact same thing. So there's no reason to. Uh, I know plenty of people that have Teslas that wish they could duplicate, and and have that option. I mean, you could still. I would say, hey, S lady, all the time. I mean, I could put my phone there and do all that, uh, when, you know, and it comes through my uh, Bluetooth, and I could do. You know, again, it, people talked about it. It's hard to integrate in the and, way. You know, Ford has done it. Ford is the, the new Mustang. But they it has CarPlay. And they came out, Tesla came out, you know, with their Tesla way before, you know, CarPlay was even probably a thing. So they've come up and they, you know, built it around there. Ford did not. Ford knew that this CarPlay could be a thing and they yeah. built their things differently because that's a new car. Tesla has um, made a choice not to do that. That's all I'm yeah. saying. So let me there's... jump in here and, and, and speak for the chat room. Um uh, Bob Bob says my car has built-in sat nav, but I much prefer maps on CarPlay. Um, Webb confesses, I think, sort of. To be honest, I cannot confirm the fee for the BMW for cars built after July first, twenty twenty. Webb says he has a Tesla Model S, and I he agrees with Guy, which I'm sure. Sorry, Webb. Wow. Um, <laughs> as much as I wish I had CarPlay, does not play with Tesla's OS and is and an, is, is an OS. OS, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, Mark so says Ford Sync and, and all of these other pre CarPlay infotainment systems that we had prior to 2015, 2016. But right. it is, but I mean, if we're going to stick with just talking about the Tesla, there's, there's a reason why that, that they haven't integrated with, with CarPlay and Android Auto. And, and I don't think it's necessarily because you know, they don't like the way it looks on the screen. I think it has more to do with, as Warren said, liability so that people don't just let go of the steering wheel after they tell their, you know, Google Maps to take them someplace. Because right, right. there are a lot of people out there that would do exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody um, ever gets into trouble with their Tesla cars. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark, Mark in the chat room Mark says my 2013 Ford uh, C-Max Energy yeah. had a 1G card when it stopped from, working yeah. they swapped out yeah when it stopped working they swapped out the card for a newer one and it works today still under a recall free to me I can I can road start it still good point um, uh, let's see where is it? Um, oh and Mark also says um, hate the sync the Ford sync especially sync 2 but there's no surcharge to remote start and lock and unlock it. Um, and then Rich says, CarPlay Maps got me to Woodstock. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, um, Jeff, you want you had something a, a little ways back. I want to make sure I get you and Brittany in. Yeah, okay. So this goes back to uh, to the whole 3G 
uh, discussion part that we were having a few minutes ago. So if you have remote start and it uses 3G, 4G, LTE, 5G, whatever that cellular technology is, someone has to pay for that. That's not free to use. So you have to ride on someone's network. So who's paying for that? And uh, and is that the primary purpose behind giving you a subscription? Because uh, because someone has to pay for it. And, uh, and of course, the car manufacturers don't want it to come out of their pocket. So uh, it comes out of ours. Yeah, I, think- I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. I'm just asking. I agree absolutely, and maybe they you know, maybe they bet on the wrong technology, and maybe I don't know. Maybe may, you know, maybe it should be like other appliances, you know, like home generators or home weather stations, which require a Wi-Fi signal that you know you have a Wi-Fi to wherever it is you park your car. That might it might be harder to explain, uh, but it could be explained, and it might be a better overall user experience instead of stuff that uh oh you have it and then it disappears and you get pissed and you don't know oh do you blame the car company oh no really it's you know, verizon or at&t or one of the uh one of the telecom companies you know who you never even thought about when you were buying your vehicle so uh i i, I think i think it was kelly who said that you know, the biggest problem here was lack of transparency and guaranteed that the dealership if they even knew about it, which they probably did, the last thing they were going to do was bring it up unless somebody asked a direct question about it because um, it's complex and it's a point of friction and friction delays sales. Yeah. Brittany, you had a, a question you wanted to ask and then we're going to wrap this topic up. The question was actually, is this a nice, like their highest end model or is it a medium or I don't know anything about t- Toyota. I think it's just in general and the cars that have remote start, I think. Okay. And then yeah, many of them do. Part of the reason I was asking is I'm wondering if it, if it was a higher end one, it might be, and I'm the last person to excuse subscriptions um, as much as I do want developers to get paid. I'm an upgrade person. Um, uh, if you go to a really nice hotel, like when I stayed at the Marriott, I sure didn't get internet included in that. Um, but when you go to a medium hotel, you you do. And I think it's BMW who charges a subscription to use CarPlay. They don't develop it. Independent app developers and Apple develop it. They don't pay for the cellular. That's going through the phone. It's just an add-on and they can. Um, Not the internet doesn't cost the other hotels. It does, uh, but they don't charge a separate fee for it. And and so I wonder how much is is let's test the market. And if it works, we'll keep doing it because- that's what happens in certain other markets and then that's just how it is yeah you're right one thing i don't miss about the pandemic is not having to pay the prices for food in convention centers <laughs> even from before well you know the, the idea is that these people have you over a barrel yeah and they'll they'll charge whatever you know yeah whatever they you know whatever they can yeah. for no justification yeah. On their topic, yeah. <laughs> well, but right, it's kind of the same topic. Bring in Limburger and Liverwurst sandwiches. Oh, <laughs> that's next. Good Chuck. times. <laughs> Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Truebill. Get control of your subscriptions at truebill.com/macvoices.
Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Are you one of them? I know I am, and when I find one, I'm angry with myself for not tracking them. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people are saving thousands a year with Truebill. If you are suffering from the way-too-many-subscriptions syndrome, there's a way out, and you don't even have to talk to anyone. Let Truebill do the work and set you free. Average users save $720 a year using Truebill. See all your subscriptions in one place, keep the ones you want, and cancel the ones you don't, right from the app. Start canceling your unused subscriptions at Truebill.com slash MacVoices. Go right now, Truebill.com slash MacVoices. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MacVoices. Thanks to Truebill for their support of Mac Voices. So let's shift to an actual tech topic. Um, you know, and I, I had no idea this topic was going to generate this kind of discussion, but it's been a good discussion. Um, but how about uh, let's talk about the the log for shell iCloud vulnerability that has been getting so much press recently. And Jim, I think we need to turn to you to give us just a little bit of explanation of exactly what this is and why we should be concerned. Okay, and I'll preface by I'm not a security expert and I don't know Java at all, but the the short story is that um, what, what what's happening with this is it's it's a you know recurring theme in security for decades is that somehow something that a user types gets passed through and executed as code. Um, so you know there was a example like you know, for your iCloud logon instead of your name you could type in uh, i guess it's java code and so in this case it would get passed through to this log program which would then run it uh as as if it was java code i guess i'm not sure uh you know that this was a, a common thing on uh you see, used to see a lot on SQL databases, where you know you could type like a search in, and you could type code in, and it would, you know, like modify the database or something. So, you know, in this case, apparently, so Log4Shell is an open source uh, package written in Java uh, that is apparently used in thousands and thousands of, you know, different. Uh, you know, on, mostly on servers. Uh, apparently, it's a good logging package, and you know, it's free because it's open source, and so it's been used widely. And somebody apparently recently, you know, open source. That's what it means. Anybody can go make changes. I mean, there's a there's an approval process and whatnot, but that's not perfect, and nobody's getting paid for any of this. So somebody made a mistake, so that it would pass code through and execute it if it came in. And then this got embedded into thousands of different servers around around the world. Um, <clears throat> and then somebody discovered this and it's like, oh, I can type in this code into like login for iCloud is the one I know, but there's way more, you know, tons of different services that were affected by this. Um, and you could run code on it and like crash the server or potentially, um, you know, maybe get data out of it, 
who, who knows? Depends on what the code code does. Um, so you know, I, I think there's a couple of um, you know, one is you know, in general, managing you know open source uh, um, packages is sort of nobody's minding the store. You know, we had the heart bleed problem a few years ago. Same thing. There was a bug in open SSL that was there for over a decade and nobody nobody noticed it and turned out to be a very serious problem. <clears throat> um, in this case, it seems to me like there's also an issue that, you know, these days, since this is such a known thing, it seems like, you know, again, I'm going to keep harping on iCloud login because it's the one thing I know of, but that's you know, just a fraction of the thing, you know, it seems like the first thing that should happen when a form, you know, login is submitted is it should check, okay, is there something other than letters, uh, numbers, and, you know, like it shouldn't allow curly braces, for example, and, and things like that. Uh, it should just not allow that before it gets anywhere further downstream. And, you know, that would, even if there was a bug further downstream, as there was in this case, it, it shouldn't have even gotten to that. Um, but people aren't careful, and there's no, you know, reward system up in corporations to, you know, basically be careful about it. And then we wind up with this sort of situation. So, you know, apparently Apple has, you know, pretty rapidly fixed iCloud. Um, <clears throat> You know, from what I've read, it that was that was fixed within 24 hours. But the the problem is that this is embedded in so many places that there there are probably, uh, you know, a lot of places where people don't even, um, you know, realize that they they have the problem. Like maybe somebody stuck this logging code in there, you know, seven years ago, and then you know that person doesn't even work at the company and, you know, so it may take years for all of the situation. I mean, the big players are going to, are going to fix it pretty fast, but um, it's sort of, uh, and Kelly posted a XKCD. Is that the one where there's the, the whole um, castle and, you know, all modern little... internet infrastructure, right. a project, yeah. a random yeah. person in Nebraska has been thanklessly <laughs> maintaining since 2003. Right. Um, and I, I was thinking of mentioning that, but I couldn't think of how to do so in an audio <laughs> thing. But somebody should post that on the YouTube chat. It's a it's a oh, classic. Yeah, just yeah. throw it in too. Is, is it on the YouTube also? I see it on the our internal chat. Yeah, yeah I put I, it oh, on oh, there the it is. Chat, I see yeah. it. Yeah, the, the yeah. chat's yeah. cut off. It's, yeah, so he, that it, it, those of you that have the opportunity, you should look at that because that's XKCD is always great, but. Uh, that's that's a really good one. I, I had a little bit of a personal, I believe, brush with this problem on Friday. Uh, I wanted to, um, I finished a, a version of, of Panorama and I wanted to notarize it. And um, Apple's notary server wasn't working. So for about an hour, I couldn't get it to upload at all. It would just do weird things. And then when it finally uploaded, it took like two hours to do the notarization where usually it takes like a minute or two. And I got on a Slack developer channel and there were some other people that like, there was another guy said he was trying to upload a test flight build and had not had any success for six hours. So 
We don't know if that uh, that was... might have been an AWS issue, <laughs> which is a separate thing it, that has tipped it, over lately that reminded everybody yeah. what yeah, our and it was on a, it. It was a all day oh. problem on Friday. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, was I don't I don't know for sure, but um, you know, it was the same time frame. And one of the there was another person on that Slack channel that said that he had, you know, worked like a decade ago or maybe longer on you know, iTunes backend stuff and the uploading of music for iTunes. And he said that was all was all written in Java. So it could be that the, the app store stuff is too. So I guess at the, at the end of the day, other than the usual things that we tell folks about, you know, patch your systems, install the upgrades and updates, especially the security updates as soon as they come out. Is this something we need to really be well, overly concerned about? This is, well, yeah, it is, but there's nothing you can do about it because right. the problem is on server end. So you can patch and update and, you know, do whatever you want that, you know, the problem is on servers at Apple, servers at Microsoft, servers at um, uh, Cloudflare. Um, so only they can prevent this and only they can fix it. So, you know, we can just sit here and watch and, you know, possibly be affected by it, but there's nothing you can do other than not use online services, which is pretty much impossible today. Yeah, I would boil down what Jim said, uh, you know, a little more more tightly that, you know, part part of the problem is there are these open source uh, libraries that are out there and... Open source is great, but this shows one of the downsides is that there's some popular packages that, you know, really don't take a lot of changing or updating. And, you know, the bad guys are out there and they're looking, you know, for vulnerabilities that uh, they can exploit. And the fact is, earlier this year, there's another Python library that uh, was widely used that uh, hackers had found uh, a way into. So this is, this is, uh, this is, uh, you know, a, a problem of our modern age that, uh, you know, for all the benefits of open source software, uh, one of the downsides is that if there's a flaw that's developed, you know, these things are propagated everywhere and with varying degrees of attention by the developers uh, and sites that are using them. So uh, even though you know, a, a, a patch and a fix may be quickly available, uh, it's going to take some time to uh, you know, disseminate and uh, perturbate into the broader ecosystem of users out there on the internet. And you know, going back to Chuck's point, unfortunately, this is not you know, something that people can directly do to inoculate themselves from because uh, it's, uh, it's at the server side. It's the other end. You just really don't know what's going on there. One thing that really, it's not directly related to this, but really kind of worries me is a a lot of, a huge number of servers now are written in JavaScript using something called node.js. And node, uh, that, that system is extremely modular and it's designed to make it super, super easy to incorporate other open source package packages, um, you know, and use them. And it basically makes it all automatic. And, you know, so you can say, well, I, I'm going to use this, you know, third-party thing. And then the system will automatically figure out, oh, well, that 
relies on these other things. So you you may write a, a program in Node and that uses you know several hundred third party um, dependencies that it's based on. That you they're all open source, so you could theoretically you know look at them, but um, you no know, one does. No, no one does because it's really practically it's impossible. And and they could be changing like constantly, and the system will automatically like oh it's changed, so it'll automatically feed it in, and so it's it's extremely powerful, and it you know it lets people write powerful systems very quickly, but that also means it could be corrupted quickly, and there's even been a couple of cases where like maybe something, you know, somebody built an open source thing, and then they they just dropped it, and stopped working on it and maybe relinquish control to of the gift orb thing or something like and some malicious person came on and and purposely put malicious code in that then is automatically incorporated and i think it's kind of uh, a miracle that this hasn't already caused you know some really bad disaster but it seems just like a really bad disaster that's just waiting to you know, some morning we're going to wake up and like, oh, there's this huge thing that we can't, you know, can't dig out of for, you know, two weeks or something. And, you know, sort of like maybe a ransomware attack right. on the entire Internet or something. Right. I can't start my Toyota and the servers are down and it's going to take yeah. at least three weeks before I'm able to get a fix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.